If you would, take your Bibles and turn in them with me to Romans chapter 13. And I'd like to read part of 13, 14, and also a little bit of chapter 15 as well as we begin our, our time. But here's what Paul writes for us, beginning in verse 10 of, of Romans chapter 13. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this knowing the time that now is it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is, for the, is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its, its lusts. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who eats, who is weak, eats only vegetables." Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat, that is meat, judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Let's look at verses 22 and 23 of the same chapter, and then we'll go into chapter 15. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples, with the weaknesses of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor, for this is good in leading to edification." For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written down were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." Therefore, in light of these things, receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. You see the title, both here on the screens and in your notes, it doesn't have to be either legalism or license. And you might ask, well, what what is the reason for this? And uh, the primary reason is all too common, uh, there's an all too common misunderstanding what legalism, license, and Christian liberty is. Uh, And what I hope to do this morning in our brief time together is at least begin to start the process of helping you and I develop the ability to distinguish between command and non-command issues and our response to and convictions regarding non-command issues. This this debate, by the way, is as old as the church. It sometimes uh, is described this way, uh, what is referred to as the normative or the regulative principle. And really simply put... Perhaps uh, Zwingli and Luther articulated, articulated these the best. Luther taught that any practice could be accepted as long as it was not contrary to Scripture. So in other words, if Scripture didn't say you couldn't, then you were free to do it if you wanted to. Zwingli, on the other hand, took a different approach, and he said unless it's explicitly specified in Scripture that you can, then you can't. 
It's kind of interesting to note that these principles were used primarily in the realm of church music. Zwingli was one of those who didn't see much in Scripture regarding the use of certain instruments. Though you say, what about the Old Testament? But story for another day. Um, Luther, on the other hand, is reputed to have said, well, if God didn't intend for us to eat pike, in northern pike, and drink Rhine wine, why did he give those to us? And so the battle has often been this battle, even today when we talk about it, as we're going to in a few moments, it doesn't say you can't, and somebody say, well, it doesn't say you can, and there goes the debate, and there goes the argument, and problems within the church. And so what are we going to, going to talk about? Really, here's the, the practical side of this. These are five conversations amongst very many that I've had in the last few years, both as a parent and, and as a pastor and just as a guy in the street. A parent who decided it was okay for their child to skip church for the child's sporting event. In this case, it was soccer. And I'm not picking on soccer. It could be AAU basketball. It could be swimming. It could be whatever. And a comment was, well, I, I just don't want to be legalistic about it. You know, it's okay. I have freedom in Christ. You don't have to go to church every Sunday to be saved. Well, that, that's true. That's true. But Hebrews also exhorts us, and don't forsake the fellowship as is the habit or the custom of some. Why? Because you're here to spur one another on to loving good deeds. Okay? I need you to spur me, think horse here, if you will, and I need to spur you every now and then as well onto loving good deeds in the Lord. But she's right. Or a person who defined legalism as living by lots of rules. Well, I got news for you, whether Old Testament or New Testament, there are some rules. The first two are the greatest, love God with your entire being, love your neighbor as yourself. And in case you want to know how to love your neighbor, we have 10 that says, worship God, him only, don't make an image, don't take his name in vain, pick one day, worship, if you will, don't lie, cheat, steal, covet, right, murder. Uh, those are pretty good rules to live by. So it's not just an issue of legalism, it's how do we get along with each other? And it's just practical common sense if we would do that. A third, we're discussing the issue of alcohol and how those who say Christians shouldn't drink are legalists. And like, just because somebody says you shouldn't doesn't mean they're legalists, okay? It may be in some context you ought not to, right? And maybe as you think it through, you might say, you know, I really don't want to support an industry uh, that takes up how many billions of dollars each year and how many people are, are killed and maimed in traffic accidents. But Okay, just because someone says it doesn't mean that it's necessarily legalism. Or when asking a person why they chose to get a tattoo, well, that's the problem with the church. Everyone's just, just too judgmental. No, notice the question, and I didn't ask this one, though I could, I suppose. Why, why would you choose to do that? And there's no answer other than, well, that's the problem with the church. You guys are just judgmental all the time. Who's being judgmental in, in that situation? Or fifth, you just want me to think like you. And unfortunately, <clears throat> this one was said to me, and uh, just so you know how to pray for my family, my response was, no, actually, I just want you to think, okay? I just want, you, I, I just want to see that you've been thinking. That would be helpful in this situation. Because <laughs> and, and the unfortunate thing is many people don't. We say, well, it's a preference. I can do what I want. I want to hear conviction, not preference. I realize it's a preference, but do you have a conviction behind it? 
That's what's important. So at first glance, our two passages, or this passage, if you will, uh, Romans 13, 14, 15, may seem to be talking about how we get along on a day-to-day basis, and it does, but, but they are first and foremost about freedom from the requirements of the law. And so Paul is going to enter in, in a situation here as he opens further up to them, to the Romans, say, wait a second, there, there are folks, especially coming out of a background that said, you can't eat, you can't eat certain f- food. You can't eat things that don't have scales or fins. Uh, you can't eat anything that doesn't chew its cud. And you gotta, so that leaves out pork, right? And you have to worship on this day. And you need to do this. And you need to do this. And you need to do this. And if you do that, then you're saved. Well, it's really coming out of the, the Mosaic law. So you have to be circumcised and follow the commands of Moses, the feast days, the festivals, the new moons, the Sabbath. That and Jesus gets you saved. So Paul would respond to this and coming out of it, so you would have people who come out of that background and say, you know what, I, I, you know, I, I realize you guys like St. Louis-style ribs. I know you like baby back ribs. I know like, you like pork chops and shoulder roast and you like ham. I, I, I just can't go there. I, I, I just can't do it. Okay? And somehow, somehow, because if they did, it would make them less than a Christian or makes you more of a Christian if you don't do it right? That's the issue that's at stake here, but it comes into other areas, and that's what we're going to look at here in just, just a couple of moments. And so it contrasts those who understand their liberty in Christ. No circumcision, no, no special day to worship, no dietary restrictions, right? In Christ, you can eat meat. You can worship on a different day, okay? You, you have the freedom to do that. But it also addresses two groups of people, called the weaker and the strong. And so it might be helpful as we begin to identify who and what we mean by that. And so with this case, the weaker, those believers whose understanding of the word is limited. They consider some things which are right in and of themselves to be wrong for them to participate in. So they just don't feel like they can eat certain things. They can't eat meat at all. Or they can't wear certain clothing. Or they, they can't do this on this day. Or they, they want to worship on only this day. Okay? And so they, just, they come to the text and they say, you know what, I, I, I just, that's fine if you want to have a beer. I, I, mm, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. Okay? Well, the stronger, those whose understanding of the word frees them from the religious scruples of those who say they can't, saying, I believe it's okay to eat meat and worship on a different day than Saturday. Okay? I have that freedom because this is what the Word of God tells me as I study it. So the weaker, because of his or her faith or knowledge or conscience, by following an example of a different, stronger brother, might actually fall into sin because they've gone against their conscience before the Lord. The stronger, on the other hand, because of their understanding, can eat, worship, drink something with full peace of conscience because... They've laid it before the Lord. They've thought it through. They've prayed over it. And so they feel they can do it. And so they don't have to be influenced by differing opinions of others, right? And so with that, the stronger isn't necessarily the one who feels she or he can do all things in freedom without considering the impact of their actions or choices. But they are those who know they can do all lawful things, but they don't push the envelope to prove their point. They don't get in somebody's face and say, well, I'm, you know, you're offended. I'm really going to make sure that you're offended because I'm going to do it 
Just so you understand, we do have freedom in Christ. That, that's not a stronger brother. That's a, that's a self-serving brother or sister in Christ. Okay? If Paul says, you have faith, great, have it to yourself before the Lord. Okay? You don't, don't have to make the other person. You need to put them before yourself in both cases. And so to the weaker, we might make this statement. Stop being censorious. Because somebody lives or does something that you don't do because you're not comfortable with, or you may not even like it. Fine. But don't automatically judge them as not walking with the Lord or lacking spirituality or maybe, heaven forbid, that they're not even saved simply because they don't do what you feel you can't before the Lord do. Okay? That even extends to music, right? Ah, you guys, this choruses, and the drum, and and guitars, and to which I usually say, just read the Old Testament. Okay, read the Psalms. Cymbals, lyre, harp, trumpets, right? Okay, may not be your cup of tea. God bless you, I'm not going to give you a hard time. But don't think somebody else who enjoys that is less spiritual because they don't see it as you see it. To the stronger, though, stop being contemptuous that somehow there's something wrong with a weaker brother or sister. Maybe, maybe they have not come to that conviction. Or maybe they have come to a real conviction and, and they make you feel uncomfortable because you've realized you haven't. Okay? So don't be contemptuous of them in that process. So, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Not every caution... Are you sure this is the wisest choice? That is not legalism. Do you sure playing with a match and an open can of gas, do you sure that's the right decision? Right? That's not legalism. Say, hey, don't use your liberty for license. Right? Not every freedom ought to be or needs to be exercised. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Paul brings that out in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That whole wonderful part from chapter 8, 9, 10, first verse of chapter 11. And Paul's talking about meat sacrificed to idols or not eating meat. And he uses himself and Barnabas as an example. He says, we have the right to be married and we have the right to be paid for our work. But I don't exercise that right so that the gospel can go forth without anybody thinking I'm in it for the money or hindering the gospel in any way. So I don't use my right. And then he gets to that wonderful part of the chapter where he says, to the Jew I became a Jew, to the Greek I became a Greek. And that is often, unfortunately, used by the strong to say, see, I can be all things to all men. So I, I can be like Striper, you know, the old Christian group, spandex, hair down past my behind. See? I can be all things to all men. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul said, I come to some Jews, I'm going to eat kosher. Why? Because a culturally thing, I don't want to necessarily offend them. I want to share Christ with them. I can do kosher. When I'm with the Greeks, I can do this, but I, I, I'm going to be careful not to sin against their conscience in the process. Okay? So that's, that's the point here. So not every freedom ought to be or needs to be exercised. So what is legalism? Because that's really the issue here. If we're going to talk about legalism, let, let's really define what we mean. And simply put, adding anything to the finished work of Christ. 
Trusting anything other than or in addition to Christ and his finished work for my standing before God. We are saved by grace alone, to faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not baptism in Jesus. It's not food in Jesus. It's not clothing in Jesus. It's not tattoos or no tattoos or music or no music in Jesus. It is Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's it. Okay? You add anything to that, you're adding to salvation. What about sanctification? Because that's, that's where we get a little stickier, right? Or we might say it this way. Any attempt to rely on self-effort to attain or maintain justification or sanctification. Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians to address this issue. Someone were preaching, the Judaizers were preaching another gospel saying, you've got to obey Moses, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to feast. And Paul says, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified, and you trusting in him by faith and faith alone. Okay, Paul, okay, we get that, but he saves us, he gets us started, but now we maintain our salvation by doing good works. Here he comes in the chapter 3 of Galatians when Paul says, have you begun in the Spirit? Now you're going to finish it in the flesh? Are are, are you crazy? I'm, I'm bewildered by you. Why would you think that? You're saved, justified, sanctified, glorified by faith in Christ alone. That's it. So what are we talking about here then? If this is what legalism, okay, let's jump ahead. We're talking about what sometimes referred to as Christian legalism, us for no more. As Dick Mayhew says, Christian legalism can take an infinite number of detours, but the one common element in all of this is a human standard of righteousness that's imposed on the Christian community as if it had the authority of God's Word. Okay? Like suits, ties, dress pants for guys, dresses for women, and that's it. Okay? Culturally, that may, may be, but not for salvation. Or Sam Storm says, the tendency to regard as divine law things which God has neither required nor forbidden in Scripture and a corresponding inclination to look with suspicion on others for their failure or refusal to conform to that norm. Or as John MacArthur said, in many cases what we're talking about is not talking about works salvation, how do I get saved and stay saved, but we're talking about approach to Christian life that is needlessly restrictive and narrow and artificially construed or constructed around certain behaviors that aren't even biblical issues, unless they're taken to the extreme, which is what he would add. Let me give you an example of that. Some years ago, Chuck Swindoll tell, told a story, true story, missionaries in South America, and because peanut butter was hard to come by, they just decided, you know, we'll just give up peanut butter. I mean, okay, so craving peanut butter, you know, like Reese's and getting a little chocolate action going there, you know how that all works. And, um, and so over a period of time, it became a badge of spirituality. Well, Christians, you know, we're suffering for Jesus because we don't have peanut butter down here in the jungle. So this young family coming from North America had heard that peanut butter is pretty hard to get a, get a hold of. And what we do sometimes with our teams, we take things over for people that we know that they're missing, you know, like Ike's and Mike's and, you know, Reese's, Reese's Pieces is one of them sometimes too. So they bring a bunch of jars of peanut butter with them thinking that they're going to bless their fellow missionaries. And what do they get? They get condemnation because like, you know, Christians don't eat peanut butter. Dead serious. Dead serious. Where do you find that in Scripture? You can't eat peanut butter? Well, okay. If you don't want to, you think it's a badge of spirituality, God bless, God bless you. 
But that's what we're talking about here. Some, some of these issues where it comes to the point where because I do this or that, that's spiritual and you need to do it as well. So we, we have a, a problem here. There's the practical idea, which we've already talked about. And it's possible the weaker I avoid most things um, <clears throat> by their tone or their voice or their nonverbal communication, communicate to others that, you know, you're just a little less spiritual because you, you do too many things in freedom. Well, the reverse is true too. You, you can become a legalist by using your freedom or liberty as a determining norm as to who and how spiritual a person really is. Um, and so it works both ways there in that, that setting. And so what we want to do here is even talk about license because liberty taken too far ends up in license. And what do we mean? That is, there's no measurable standard of spirituality. You ask them, I can do all things. And they look and they live as though they do. It leads some to presume they can be faithful to the Lord's word in 1 Timothy 4, 7, which says, exercise yourselves rather unto godliness, even if they never read the Bible again or attend church or do anything at all to grow in their spiritual life. Who would ever get that idea? Okay? I mean, that's like having a baby and say, well, hey, you're on your own. No feeding? No care? No pampering? No holding clothes? You know, it doesn't work that way. But in their behavior, they flaunt their freedom and causes a fellow believer to stumble and a non-believer to think there's no discernible difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. All right? If you're born again, some change is going to occur, should it not? Christian life should be lived between two guardrails. And so here, several weeks ago, Terry and I took a trip down to Cook City. And um, I thought, you know... I'm going to preach this sometime, and <clears throat> I'd like to have a picture of two guardrails. And that's what I have. That's the Yellowstone River. If you cross that, if you come out of Mammoth Hot Springs, you're heading over to Lamar Valley. And uh, if you go off to the right, you're going to, you're going to have a long drop in a, in, a, in a cold, sudden awakening, right? Guess what? If you go off on the left side, you're going to have the same thing. It's the guardrails. Some, somewhere in between those, liberty and grace. Not, not liberty at the expense of grace, not grace at the expense. Okay. How, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, before I give you those principles that are in, in your, your bulletin, um, when we speak of liberty in Christian life, what do we mean? Simply put, when the Bible does not speak to an issue, there's liberty, even to the context of not exercising liberty. If one chooses for whatever reason, Scripture does not condemn or command otherwise, I am free at liberty to do whatever it might be. Now, I want to put a caution here. Those of you who are familiar with the regulative and normative principle, you'll say, well, you know something. Now, some people in some circles are in our society today. You know, Jesus never addressed this issue. Jesus never addressed the issue of gay marriage. He never addressed that issue. Well, let's just take that at face value for a moment. You know what else Jesus didn't address? If you're talking about explicitly, he didn't, he didn't address women's liberation. He didn't address Title IX. He didn't address child abuse. He didn't address a lot of things if you take it literally to the point of saying, because he did not come out with five commandments, ten sets of instruction on this issue, therefore he's never spoken on the issue. You miss the point from Genesis to Revelation of comparing Scripture with Scripture and looking at what the law has said, which he did not abrogate, by the way, but as he said, I came to fulfill it. 
And when he spoke to the issue of sexual immorality, he used the broadest term possible, porneia, which includes all of them across the board. So he did speak to the issue. He just didn't come out and say, oh, by the way, in about 2,000 years, we're going to have this debate in American culture. By the way, we don't have it in any of the Muslim countries, do we? But that's a story for another day. But we're going to have this debate, just so you know, so I'm going to put one command, thou shalt not do this, Right? Pretty explicit in it, though, about our behavior as a whole. So you want to be careful when you say, well, he doesn't say it. Well, he didn't say this either. So there, nah, 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 nah. what are we going to do? We need to come to some principles of deciding how do we find what Scripture says. And, beloved, do we not do that in everyday life, in business, in school, with neighbors? We read at face value what is said, we, we work with it and look at the context of what is said? And if we didn't do that, why do we have stop signs and traffic lights? And why are they different colors? Why is a yield yellow and a stop is red? Okay, do you realize in most states a yield is, is stricter than a stop sign? Stop, if you can proceed safely, you can go, right? Yield means you yield to the vehicle. And I've seen some people, even leaving here on Sunday morning, sometimes you should have yielded. <laughs> you just hope the other person has better brakes, right? Okay, uh, I think you get my point. And not about the driving either, I hope. So, but another question, and here's really where the rub comes in, does it not? What about legalism and license? When these two on the other side of the guardrails, when they kind of go at it, what, what is the issue here? Well, here it is. There you go. And I know we could add to this list, but, you know, I don't have so much time. Entertainment, movies, cards, computer. You just go through the list. External appearance, clothes, makeup, jewelry, hair, tats, hats, and ties. And like I said in the first hour, I like how that rolls off the tongue, tats, hats, and ties. And uh, may, may I say something about hats? In the 16th century, we, we have pictures, drawings of church services where men are wearing hats in the church service. Oh! <gasps> I remember a time when women wore hats every Sunday. And annoyingly so in the movie theater too, I might add. Okay? <laughs> and when you're a little kid and you're kind of short like I was, it's kind of hard to see. It's tough enough to see over an adult's head, let alone their hat on top of it. So I'll, why do I mention the thing about hats? Because in our culture, typically that's not acceptable. Okay? Even at a funeral, we have to remind folks at the graveside to say, men, your hats please. They take them off and we do the benediction when we pray. That's the standard norm in our society. So I say that to say this. If somebody comes in this morning and does have a hat on, don't, don't unload on them because our culture, you should be wearing a hat in a church. I got news for you that believers used to do it. Believers used to do it. So do okay? So just, just, just be careful. You come up and say, well, Christians don't do that. Well, I show you throughout history where Christians did. It's a cultural thing. Culturally, maybe we shouldn't do it, right? Okay? But let's, let's forego that just a little bit. Tats, yeah, okay, I get in trouble with this. So, well, Some of you, well, in fact, most of you are not going to like me, and that's fine. Right? I have friends with tats. And by and large, they don't bother me. I have friends who wear, instead of a gold band or a diamond ring, they have their beloved name tattooed on their finger. I personally do not have a problem with that. But I do caution you who do, do have them or want to have them, understand if you're going into missions, there are some cultural contexts where this would not be advisable. 
Because in some context, and you study out about tattoos and body piercings and all the other things, some cultures it is a sign of worship to a deity. So you want to go in that culture, and then you have one say, oh, look at that. Well, yeah, you're just like us. You believe like we do. And you say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Well, no, no, no. Because you, okay, you want to be careful with that. You need to think it through. Okay? You need to think it through in that whole situation. Let me see if I can get in some more trouble. Clothes. There, there is an admonition, modest clothing. Why? Paul says, so as not to draw attention to yourself. It's not about a fashion show at church. It is about glory, glorifying the Lord. Okay? So too plain, too, too showy, somewhere in between, Right? A bird with no, no color and a peacock somewhere in between there. Let me, let me add, and I'm going to sound like I'm being ludicrous here, not to be confused with the singer, but in doing this, if you say you have the right to wear whatever you want, let me, let me just ask you, does that mean you can come to church in a Speedo? Okay, now maybe if you have a surfer ministry at Wahoo, okay, Sunday morning you're all on your surfboards, I get it, right? Does this look like Wahoo? Okay, not when I drove in this morning, it doesn't. So, to show up in your pajamas? Again, it's a, it's a cultural thing. Can some people take it too far and make it sound legalistic? Yes, I know they do. But some of you on the other side, you've got to chill. Come on. Be reasonable. I don't want to see you, most of you, in a Speedo. Okay? No offense. And you don't want to see this in a Speedo either. Right? Can, can, we, can we just not agree with that? And that's not an issue of legalism, although it can be. And it can also be an issue of license if we're not careful with that. Years ago, Do, Dr. Don Brug, Brugman, who was the head of Greater Europe Mission, tells a story shortly after World War II, somewhere in the early 50s, as he's leading the mission, Henrietta Mears, and some of you are old enough to remember her, you can read about her, a great sister in Christ, but she was known for kind of her makeup and her hats, and, and you know, obviously her hat with a nice feather in it, and it's kind of a 50s thing. I guess a 60s thing too, right? And uh, she went over and did some teaching in France for them, and had a bunch of believers together at a conference, and it was kind of interesting to hear that in one of the breaks, Mrs. Meir, Ms. Mears came to Dr. Brugman and said, Dr. Dr. Don, I, she said, I, I gotta tell you, I'm struggling. He said, well, struggling about what? He said, I said, I don't think most of these French people are saved. Well, why not? Well, well they smoke and they drink wine. Oh, well, you know, some of them are just new believers, and, you know, French are kind of known, they kind of grew up with wine, right? Okay. On one of the other breaks, some of the Frenchmen came to Dr. Brugman and said, you know, Dr. Brugman, thank you, brother, for, you know, bringing this woman. We, but we really have questions about her. Well, what do you mean? He says, well, we're not sure she's saved. Why? He said, well, her makeup, her jewelry, and, and, and her hats. Okay. Do you see the point? It's not saying she was wrong in wearing hats or having a little more pancake on her face, and maybe, who knows? I never met her, okay? All the pictures I see her, she looks fine. It's not the point. The point is one culture said, in our culture, we don't do this. So we really wonder if you're saved. And the other culture says, you know what? Over here, most people, Christians, I, we, we don't drink and we don't smoke. And so all these French people, ah, somewhere we've got to come together and figure this out. Get, 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 get to figure out how, how this works. Do you, you realize when we, in particular on any of our short-term teams, 
we ask our folks to refrain from any, some of these freedom issues because in some context where we go, if someone is seen drinking, they're considered a non-believer. And, I, and, and no, no offense, but I don't want to spend my five or ten days in a country trying to explain to them why so-and-so, who is a godly man or woman, is not a believer, but they actually are a believer because they've gone against a cultural norm just because they want to exercise their freedom. Okay? It's, it's really that simple sometimes. It really is. Sometimes to refrain from freedom we have. So we ask folks, we know you may have freedom. We're asking you on this trip not to do X, Y, Z, and here's why we're asking you not to do it. Okay? Could, could you just do that for us? Because it creates more problems. And so it may curb your freedom a little bit, but so what? I'll give me another example. There are some Swiss brethren who alcohol is not an issue for them, but drinking Coca-Cola is. And by that I mean Coke. So you Pepsi people are okay. Uh, you know. <laughs> so think about that for a moment. How, how do we work through that? Well, I'm glad you asked, and here's what we're going to do, and I'm going to do it quickly. Here are the principles. Number one, principle of acceptance. What, what do we mean when Paul says accept, receive one another to yourself? This is a really wonderful term. It's a, a present middle imperative. Un, receive to yourself as though, and the idea behind this is that into your society, into your home, into your circle of influence or acquaintances. So this isn't just, okay, I know that and I'll keep you there, but actually receive one as a true brother or sister in Christ. Okay? Secondly, the principle of accountability. As you look at these verses, and we don't have time to do it, I would add to this 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 5 through 10, which remind us you stand before the Lord. And my kids, you know, one of them's here this morning, they know I'm kind of a broken record. And it was more with the two boys, so close in age, and sometimes, you know, well, he did this, well, he did that. You know how that goes? That's never happened in your family, maybe? But, okay. I said, listen. Listen, when you stand before the Lord someday, 2 Corinthians 5.10, at the Bama seat and give an account for your work, your walk as a believer. God's not going to say, you know, John, hey, that's okay that Micah, you know, he was kind of a, he was kind of a dork there. That's all right. I'll give you a pass, you know, give you a pass and whack at him. No. That's not how it's going to work. And when Micah said, Micah, he, he, you know, yeah, John shouldn't have done this. Yeah, what you? I said, listen, but you shouldn't have provoked him. So when you stand before Jesus someday, he, he's, he's going to deal with John. Don't, don't, don't worry. But he's going to say to you, Michael, why, why did you provoke your brother? Why did, why did you provoke him? You're just trying to get him in trouble? Come on. It's that kind of idea. You and I are accountable to the Lord, not to your spouse, not, not to your kids, not to your parents. Not to, first and foremost, we're accountable to God for what we do. So if you're strong or weak, you will stand before the Lord and give an account for that. Okay. Not me for you, not you for me, not me for all of you, not all of you for me. And some of you are probably real thankful for that on, on this end, but okay, but that's true. Third principle, conviction versus condemnation. Be fully convinced to a full measure. So in other words, on the non-command, non-command. Do you, you catch that part? Don't forget the N-O-N, non-command, where God has not given a direct commandment. Be fully convinced. That, that requires study. That requires prayer. That requires interacting with somebody maybe who's a little old, older, a little wiser, if you're just young at this, to, to really think through why you feel you can do X, Y, Z 
when this person doesn't feel like they can do X, Y, Z. Both of you should be fully convinced because verse 23 says, if it's not of faith, it's sin. Okay? Paul said, I know him. I'm convinced. He came to that point. I'm sorry, I went the wrong way. Here we go. Principle of consideration. Your conviction may not hurt you, but it may hurt your brother or sister. And so Paul's exhortation, don't destroy them or belittle them because they may be weaker than you. And you and I need to remember who our judge is. Jesus. Right? Jesus. Who do we live for? Jesus. Who will we stand before? Jesus. Who do we look out to look out for? Our brother and sister. Okay? Here's just another way of saying Philippians 2. Five exhortations. And this is to those of you who have thought through some of these issues and say, man, I, I know I can do this and I can do this and I can do that. Great. Just remember this. Don't grieve your brother. Don't grieve them. Don't, don't pick at them. Don't poke them. Don't make fun of them because they're not where you are. And I'm, I'm going to call some of you out. Some of you as stronger brothers have this habit. You poke people. And I'm going to ask you, stop it. Stop it. Okay? We'll get, down, we'll get to the weaker ones here in just a moment. Don't let your good, it is good. If you've come to the conviction that you can eat ham sandwiches and you can have a cold beer, you've come to that conviction before God, not just because you want to do it and exercise freedom, because you believe for God, you can glorify God. I'm not going to give you a hard time. But don't flaunt it to the point that someone looks at your good and speaks evil of it because of your behavior. Okay? The onus is on you, not on me or the other person. Pursue peace and edification. Don't destroy God's work for your own appetite. In other words, don't destroy a brother or sister. Put them, as we come to number five here, cause them to stumble or be offended, cause them to be weak because of your strength. Paul said, I I would give up eating meat in order to protect my brother. And so should you and I. So for those of you who are weaker, who sometimes don't like something somebody says or did or... Can, can we just explain what this means? Causing you to stumble is causing you to partake of behavior you believe is wrong before God, and when you do it, then you go, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, let me give you an example. Years ago, Dr. Rodmacher tells a story, speaking at a church in Salem, Oregon, and he had a great, if you remember Kenny Rogers, that great Kenny Rogers beard, you know, kind of comes down here, kind of looked like that with the white hair. And after the service in the meet and greet line... So a little old, dear little old lady came out of the church service. She, she grabbed him by his whiskers and said, Ooh, this makes me stumble, makes me feel so bad. You know? And, and as if you knew Dr. Rodmacher, as he took that lovely little old lady's face in his hands, literally, and turned her head this way and this way. And he said, My dear woman, I don't see any facial hair. And she was like, what do you mean? He said, to cause you to stumble would have meant you to grow a beard against your own conviction that men and people shouldn't have beards. But since you have no facial hair, how could I have caused you to stumble? You're simply telling me your preference is you don't like men with facial hair. Which leads me to this illustration. Dr. Bill Bynum, who taught in the Christian ed there at Western as well, graduated, got his doctorate from uh, Southwestern Seminary in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. Southern Baptist Stronghold. Back there in the 60s, right? When everything about long hair and beards on men, oh, they're a bunch of hippies, right? 
And so the guys were clean-shaven on Southwestern's campus. But you walk down the hallway of the stalwarts of the faith who started the seminary, what did you find with those Wild West Texas guys? Beards. Yeah, that's exactly right. Beards. And in some cases, hair kind of coming down here. So here's a school debating the issue, should men have beards at all? And you walk down and the founders of the school had beards. And so their question is, why are we doing that? Which of the faculty was prompted to have a beard and long hair because of some student and that caused them to stumble? Be very careful, my weaker brothers or sisters, when you say, that's caused me to stumble. Stumble how? Sin? Do what the person did? Yes. You don't like it? You, you, don't, you don't like some of the music? That's okay. I don't like all the music either. But it's not because I don't like, love my brothers or my sisters who play. It's just not my, my thing, some of it. Okay? You might like Southern Gospel. Well, God bless you. But I wouldn't want Sunday after Sunday Southern Gospel either. No offense. Right? But I'll put up with it. Why? Because I want you to be blessed. And I want those who can play it and play it well, I want them to use their gift as unto the Lord. And I like it when we sing some of the chorus and we have the men sing and when the women sing. Why? Because they're using their gift as unto Jesus. You don't have to like it, but don't question somebody's spirituality because they like something you don't or they don't like what you like, right? We've got to be careful of that, beloved. And so following Christ's example, seek to please him. Seek to serve as Jesus served. Be, be like-minded. It's not about eating meat or being a vegetarian. You know what? If you eat meat because you think it's going to make Jesus happy, and that's the only reason you're doing it, it's probably not going to make him happy. If you only eat vegetables, you think, well, that's really what Christians really ought to do, you know? It's like, it's like no. That's not going to accept you to the Lord. Is, is it your conviction and your freedom? Yes. Okay, that might then. It's being like him. So Gary Friesen said this, allow your brother, sister to develop and live out their own convictions. It isn't about what is right or wrong between you and me, so often as is what it is right and wrong between us and God. To the weaker brothers and sisters, you don't have to participate, okay? Remember, not everything has to be commented on too, right? And don't be upset if someone doesn't follow God's will for your life. It's your will, his will for your life. And it cuts both ways, okay? So my stronger brothers and sisters, not every question you're asked is an issue of legalism, right? Not everything you're asked is legalism. Share your conviction, how you came to that conviction. You might be able to help that person understand better. Take the time to explain it. I realize there are some people out there who are fruit inspectors. I realize there are some who are poking you too, but by and large, most folks, are, they're, they want to know because they're thinking, now how do, I, how do I settle this issue for myself? You might be able to help them in that, that area. So to both or to all of us, you know, it cuts both ways. And I found this is true, weaker and stronger. Those who complain the most, gripe the most, groan the most, irritate the most are the ones who don't know how to behave toward others the most, oftentimes. And so with this, Dr. Dick Mayhew's closing comments. Develop convictions based on clear study, not just personal preference. 
Liberty should always give way to love. Legalism isn't love, but love is demonstrated in obedience. So let's make it even easier. What would bring God the greatest glory and further his kingdom the most? Any decision, any decision should have that at its basis. Or as my good friend Gail Heidi has said many times, and I borrowed this from him, what would demonstrate most clearly to everyone around me, believer and non-believer, the lordship of Christ in my life? If I partake of this, if I do this, if I act this way, if I sing this, if I wear this, if I will this demonstrate his lordship to believer and non-believer alike? Love really is that simple, but it takes time and effort. And I pray you and I will take the time and effort to do that. You may not like everything I do, and I may not like everything you do, but if it's a conviction before the Lord, biblically based, I'll leave that between you and the Lord. And you need to leave it between me and the Lord, and them and the Lord, and them over here between the Lord as well. Okay? Father, we come this morning, and it is so easy because some things are cultural issues. Some things are very clearly, well, this may be good, but as Paul would say, it's not expedient. And we don't like to have to do the work of, when we go into different contexts, whether it's here in America or somewhere across the globe, of, how, okay, how, how do we do this? How do, how do I walk like Jesus before these folks? Knowing that when we do, we're going to have people in country, out of country, fellow believers and others who might look at us, look down their nose at us, whether we're the weak or the strong or working through the issue ourselves, whatever it might be. But Father, I, I pray that our, our goal, our goal in any of it would be to really glorify you. Not to extremes on either side, but in that middle ground where we're not certain to grant grace, uh, to pray for each other, to, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And for some, that may mean partaking of some things that others just, just cannot even fathom that they would want to. Father, I'm grateful that you understand and know all these things, that you are wise and holy and a righteous judge, that you will balance the scales, you will righteously judge all things. And even when I think I'm right, you'll know that I'm wrong. And when sometimes I think I might be wrong, but I actually am right, you know that too. And... So, Father, may we not get bogged down with that, but really to glorify you, seek the furtherance of the kingdom, demonstrate the lordship of Christ. I pray this for your church and for those who are watching your church. Amen.